podcast from the Ontario Library Association. I'm your host, Michelle Arbuckle, and today is a great episode for those of you working in libraries and programming author talks, which I'm pretty sure is many of you right now. Even the academic libraries have been jumping into this type of programming lately, which I think is wonderful. There's so many great opportunities to tie author talks into the strategic goals of your library and your communities, and also they're just a good time. Uh, But author talks can be stressful for those doing the programming, especially when you're the one tasked with doing the interviewing. These are the moments library school haven't always prepared us for, which is why I am so happy to be speaking with Carol Ann Tack. Carol Ann is the head of Reader Services at Merrick Library and host of the Top Shelf podcast and Top Shelf Live on the Merrick Library NY YouTube channel. She just released her 56th interview with an author. Carol Ann and I met this past fall when we were both on a panel discussion on podcasting through the pandemic, which seems like a solid decade ago at this point. She is a wonderful conversationalist. I'm so thrilled that she's joined us today. Welcome to Library Land Loves, Carol Ann. Oh my gosh, Michelle, what a fabulous, can I get that as a ringtone, that intro? Uh, I'll I'll send that off to you, yeah. (laughs) That would be amazing. I am so thrilled to be here. I hope whatever I can provide for listeners and for library people who do these book discussions and author talks and, and I hope I can add value to you guys because, man, I have, this is, my, my career in this subject is the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come <laughs> along and take the journey with me. <laughs> yeah, it's a great time right now to be talking about this because I think so many um, authors are more available to us right now. Yes. Um, you know, libraries have always been doing this programming, but, but we might do, you know, a couple author talks a year. But now I think that this this venue, this opportunity, it's, it's so, um, there's such a broad reach of who we can connect with and what we can do. So I think people are really trying to do more of this, but what you're talking about today is how to do that more effectively. So how to talk to authors, your top five tips for speaking with authors. Is that right? Yeah, it's that and how to incorporate that into your book discussion. So at Merrick Library, one of the things I've done over the years is we have been incorporating Skype back when everybody was using Skype mm-hmm. and bringing in authors from all over the world, truly. I mean, I'd have people from the UK and India, and hopefully the times would align with the time that we were hosting the book discussion, which is a challenge in and of itself. And um, the good thing about interviewing these authors is that not only, first of all, as a librarian, you, despite what everyone thinks, you can't possibly know the answer to every question when you do a book discussion, when you host, you can't possibly know the answers. So I feel like once you make that commitment to not knowing everything, mm-hmm. you can really excel and and be your best person. Mm-hmm. Um the other great thing about hosting these authors live is that I can, I become a fan. Mm-hmm. So once I'm the fan, again, I am now p- sort of pushing back on that responsibility and asking a question that I would actually like to know. So yeah. not only your canned author discussion questions that the publisher gives you, but it humanizes your interaction. So if I'm interviewing Michelle Arbuckle, who wrote this fabulous novel about the Ontario library system, mm-hmm. 
I would be asking you a question that I really want to know the answer to. Michelle, what were you thinking when you wrote this? Mm -hmm. Where were you when you wrote this? Like these, then it becomes me just naturally falling into our interview. So um, that may be a very long answer and, and not as, as pointed as we would like it to be. But you, um, I hope that answers the question in the meantime. Yeah, I think that um, those make for the best interviews. You know, the ones I've listened of, from your podcast, you can tell are the ones where you are genuinely interested in this person and their process and the, the way that they go through their work. I also think it's interesting how you... Your podcast is so interesting for people who are um, interested in programming for adult readers and book clubs, but it also has really fascinating insights for writers because um, you ask a lot of them about their writing process, you know, how they come up with their titles, that kind of thing. Is that something you do really intentionally? Are you, are you a writer or just interested in their writing process? I am not a writer, but I am such a fan of writers and I mm -hmm. do want to know any librarian who is a reader or who does readers advisory services, I feel like at the at this point we're always asking those questions. What made them make that choice? Mm -hmm. The authors. What made them write this? Or why make the character do that? I like being surprised so much. And the authors that I invite onto the show are always authors and the books that make me really think to myself, what the heck were they thinking? And it's in a negative way or a positive way. And of course, I have to walk a line because some of the people who are listening don't know, may not have read the book. So mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil it. So I have to walk a really fine line. And those are just questions that I do want to know about their process. I do want to know, do they use yellow stickies? Do they, how do they map it out on the board? Like Carrie and Homeland, you know, does she have yeah. these like lines going to this person in this picture? It helps me to understand what I just read. Mm -hmm. And I go into each interview probably over-prepared if that's mm -hmm. even a thing, but I do the same thing with the book discussion. If I'm hosting the author in person via Zoom, now we, we do this almost every month now. I have an author come in via Zoom and it's been great. It's been wonderful mm -hmm. because a lot of the authors just can't get out because of COVID. So having yeah. them come in live is great. I usually start off every interview with my questions, my base. I get background about the person I'm going to be sitting with. And then I ask my questions, the questions I want to know because I'm a reader. Mm -hmm. first, right? Even though I'm a librarian, I'm a reader first. That's the reason I'm interviewing these folks. Mm -hmm. And then I ask my questions. And then inevitably, it, a lot of it organically happens through a Q&A. So I may have a script with some questions I hope to ask, and then the author will give me something else that I can build on. I interviewed Chris Whitaker recently, and he told some really wonderful stories. But the something came out about him being a day trader, which he then says something at the end about how he's still day trading. And I thought, are you kidding? You should probably not be doing that. But it was just such a funny interview. You make notes as you go. So you maybe use that later on. It's such an organic process. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself is the only thing. You're not going to get it right. I have created 
many, I've made so many errors and so many mistakes, and that's the wonder of editing programs. But when you do it live, most of the authors are just so happy to be there and see their readers that um, if you make a major mistake, like there are times where I'll get the characters confused or mm -hmm. I'll say the wrong name. Um, mm -hmm. But that's just me being excited and and, and, <laughs> and, and jumping in. So <laughs> I think it's forgivable when you've demonstrated the level of fandom, you know, when you can make a mistake like that. But but that is one of the terrifying moments of of either just like forgetting a key element or um, what's happened to me is just completely zoning out while they're answering a question. Mm -hmm. And that's that's like a terror. I've had dream I have dreams about that where someone's answering something and then I have to follow up or or, you know, someone gives a little prompt like, what do you write or what do you think about? Frozen, totally frozen, <laughs> can't, paralyzed, can't speak, respond. Anyway. All and right. The other so thing that happens to sorry. your point is that when that happens and you zone, it's typically me thinking, oh gosh, that's a really good comment that they said. Mm -hmm. I, I want to remember that because yes. I want to follow up. And then I forget what the follow up is. Right. And then so I will cop to it each time. I think because I am so full of foibles, I will cop to it and say, oh my gosh, I had a question. I, I don't remember what I was going to say, but it'll come to me in a second. Yeah. Let me ask you this instead. Yeah. And yeah. then eventually it comes back to me. A lot of times I will tell the author, especially if I'm hosting them live, if you see me writing, it's because I'm taking notes. Well, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, and so I want them to know that I'm, um, I am not Dick Cabot, right? I am not anybody. I that's not who I am. So yeah. I, you know, I'm not that kind of, this is just what we try to do to make it good for the, the patrons think that's funny. The authors think that's funny. It, it yeah. humanizes the situation. We don't have to come with such a lofty, mm -hmm. uh, with such a lofty goal. We just want to yeah. make it satisfying for everybody. Absolutely. And eat, Drop you the know, pretense. Yeah. Correct. Once you do that. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about coloring your hair because the grays are just going to pop out while you're right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a highlight. Yeah. Um, all right. Do, do we already get into the list? Do, do I need to do I need to back up and say, like, what's our number five? Or Because we you had a list when we talked about this. Yes. But see, this have, is the I... nature of Carol Ann, the conversation <laughs> list. It's just flowing already. <laughs> well, I think so. What I think is I do have a list. Each item on the list begets the next item. So okay. I think if if anyone is completely bored, I'm going to just go with my top, my first number one thing uh, to say to anyone so that if you're like, I'm not listening to this anymore, um, <laughs> make sure that you are enjoying yourself. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not, nobody else is going to do that. And even if you are completely intimidated by the author or it's someone you are so fangirling over or just so fan personing over, it's okay to be that person. Mm -hmm. It's genuine. It's real. Let that happen for you because if you're too rigid, it's just, it's not going to work. Be true to yourself, right? Be true to the person I interviewed, uh, as an aside, I interviewed recently Chang Ray Lee. I was so starstruck that when he actually, we had such a good interview, when he actually said my name, I lost my place in the script. <laughs> because in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he just said my, like he, mm -hmm. and so it totally, but I collected myself somehow and mm -hmm. made an appointment with my hair colorist again, right after the interview. 
but make sure you're having a good time. If you're enjoying yourself and you're excited to bring the author to the people you want them to meet, and these are your patrons, your listeners, that's the connection you want to make. You want to bring Michelle Arbuckle novelist to meet your patrons and you want your patrons to meet them. Mm-hmm. So you're being a host and, and bringing those two together. And if you're not enjoying that process, find another author or find the author that you do want to interview and ask questions of. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll see that not only do I talk about the book in question at the time, but I will bring in prior material, prior books if I can, and what the process was and all of those things, because I do come to it as a fan. So that's, you know, it, a big part of it is to make sure you enjoy yourself and then have the confidence. I think confidence is so huge because I think people, interviewers are like, well, I, you know, I should be decavit. I should be like those hosts on NPR. That's great. I aspire to that. It's never going to happen. Okay. It's never going to happen. I can try, but everyone, you know, you, it's just, it's nice to set that goal, but if you can't bring your own personality and yourself and you don't have to be, um, jokey and you don't have to be, if you're more comfortable with a more concrete platform or a more traditional way of interviewing, that's absolutely fine. You have to be true to yourself. The minute you go off script it to what you think is best for you, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So those are my two big things. Make sure you're having a good time. And um, the second thing is to make sure you have the confidence. Just because you're interviewing them live or in person doesn't mean you fundamentally don't know what to do. So if you're hosting a book discussion, you may have people when you're interviewing authors on Zoom who say, you know, I really hated your book. And even though you say, remember that we're hosting, you know, you try to give them the advance words to just be kind. <laughs> It'll, you know, it's a nice thing. Um, there will be people who say, I didn't care for this or I didn't care for that. And then the way you get out of those situations is one, try to find a positive way to express what the person has just just got finished saying. Mm. If you are going to interview Elizabeth Stroud about Olive Kittredge and someone says to you, which has happened to me, I hated that book. Well, you didn't actually hate the book. You disliked Olive. Right. What about Olive? Now, you only get that the more you do it. Right. Yes. So trying to be proactive is almost impossible but learning how to be reactive with as much grace as possible is the challenge. And you do that more as, as you go along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because then you're, you're not just managing the author that you're speaking with. You're, you're, you're moderating that group at the same time. That's, that's a real challenge. It is a real challenge. And again, the more you do it, the better you get. So if you decide you want to maybe have an author come in like tomorrow night, I'm going to be hosting Robert Kolker mm-hmm. uh, for Hidden Valley Road. I haven't slept for a few days because <laughs> it's it's Robert Kolker. He's, he's, you know, he was on Obama's best list. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I have already set up the questions that I want to ask from my on my behalf. But I know that some of the readers yeah. will have a different 
impressions of the family, just like people will have different impressions of a fictitious character. Mm -hmm. I didn't like this choice. I didn't like that choice. Why and who? The only way to really, and probably my third thing is probably the only way to really anticipate some of those questions and reactions is to be fully informed, which gets into like, you know, three and four tip here. Mm -hmm. The more background work you do to present to your people at the same time as you're hosting the author, mm -hmm. you're not going to anticipate every question, but you're going to anticipate more. You're going to be more comfortable thinking about the people that you know in your group and what they're going to ask. And so sometimes you highlight certain things before you go in. You have read the book six months ago, but now you're hosting the author. Refresh yourself, go back, reread it, uh, read the reviews that people have written, find interviews online um, so that you're actually used to how the author sounds, what they say, how they say it. And then you can say, gee, you know, um, Michelle, I saw that interview you did with, with, with Dick Cavett or with whomever. And you mentioned this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I found that so interesting. What can you say? And, and so there's ways to sort of bring that in. And the more informed you are, your confidence will increase. I find. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds you'll so just be, easy. Yeah, yeah, it does. But it's not something that comes naturally all the time. The more yeah. you do it, you know, whatever I'm up to episode 56 i am surprised every single podcast <laughs> yeah with something that happens every single time yeah it's yeah it's definitely one of those things that uh, it sounds like an easy thing to do it takes the time though right like that that interview prep is a really intense um intense process finding the materials reading the materials understanding what's happening in those materials and kind of responding to them um that, like, tell me about that for you. How does, how do you work that in? So if I read a book and I love it and there's a couple of different things, if you know your group really well, knowing what they like is key to build, building a successful book discussion and a successful author interview. If you're bringing people in and you know what they like, it's kind of easy then to make it a win-win for everybody because you know that they're going to enjoy whether it's World War II or whatever the what's World War whatever the time period is. Uh, a lot of historical fiction is so popular. So the idea is to find that material and love it or like it a real lot. And then the more you do this background, if finding the time is is almost impossible. If I'm actually hosting an author, let's say next week, or even with Robert Kolker, who one will be hosting tomorrow night. Last week, when I was at the reference desk, because I still have to work the desk, right? When mm -hmm. we're in the building, you, everyone multitasks. There's not one librarian I know who does not multitask. So you're mm -hmm. fielding questions at the same time as taking notes as you do your background research. Well, where did right. you know what's going to help me inform this decision when I interview him? I may be able to say, oh, you went to school here and that's part of the story. Uh, working out little things that will help flush out that discussion in advance and just taking the notes as you go. The mm -hmm. prep work does take a long time. I mm -hmm. keep my authors spaced out a month in between. 
But now that I do the live show, sometimes it's only three weeks. So not only am I doing the author interview for the podcast, but I'm also doing the author live, which are two different mm -hmm. people, plus another author for a book discussion. Right. So wow. I've got to manage that time and give myself a week. And then there are, you know, you, you round up your usual suspects. So if you like to see what they do on YouTube or there's interviews, round that up. You'll have your checklist of things to go back mm -hmm. to. Look for reviews on. I don't like to say look for reviews on Goodreads because it can be such a negative space. Mm -hmm. But what I love that Goodreads does is it gives you the really five stars and then the one stars. Right, and yeah. I think it's <laughs> important as an interviewer to see what people disliked mm -hmm. because probably someone in your group may feel the same way. Mm -hmm. So once I know that, that spectrum of people, even if I totally disagree, mm -hmm. that helps me with my interview. So that background right. work and that prep, when I say you, I go deep and immerse myself, I really, I really yeah. do. But that gives me more and more confidence to anticipate what could occur. Mm -hmm. So some of the stuff oh, that I, uh, yeah, go I'm ahead. So, I'm so curious. How many times do you read a book? And also when you're reading it, what is your process? Are you flagging things? Are you bending corners or are you keeping notes somewhere separate? Because you bring up such specific passages of books to the authors that, um, you know, I'm always just curious how you're keeping track of that yourself. So because even though I'm a librarian, I'm a reader first, as we mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. I read the book to enjoy it. I read the book because I love to read and I like to, especially after 2020 and everything we have just come from, which actually it took me a, a few, quite a few months to get back into my reading groove mm -hmm. because I just felt like I couldn't read anything that could break my headspace and do something. I was just so worried all the time. But so I read the first time for myself. Mm -hmm. I read it. I love it. I say, love this book by Michelle Arbuckle. She wrote this book. I can't tell you how great this book is. Then if I'm lucky enough to host you, I will then go back and look for things that I remember loving. Now, sometimes at the time, if it's a sentence or it's a passage, I will put the yellow sticky in as I'm reading. I don't do it as an exercise in case I need it later. I do it because, wow, I want to go back and see what she said. How did she say this so beautifully? Right. What just knocked me out? And then I can say, if I'm hosting you, oh my gosh, I reread. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will say to the author, I reread it. Mm -hmm. So if I read it the first time and I love it, sometimes I will go right back and say, how the heck did she do that? How right. did he do that? How did I get here? And then I go back and look for the technical stuff, for the narrative, for the editing, for what was compelling. How did we move so quickly through this scene? Or I go back and read it with a different set of eyes, my enjoyable eyes. I mm -hmm. want to know what the magic is behind the curtain. Right. And that's what I'm able to bring to the table. But that's, again, I'm lucky enough to be able to read the book, love the book, hopefully host the author. And that's where we, and that's where we make. There's also something on Twitter that I, I'm sure people already know about. There's something on Twitter called Sunday Sentence, hashtag Sunday Sentence. And I try to do that every week. And it's usually a sentence from a book that I've read recently. And I just cannot 
say enough about it. And this is why it's almost me plugging the book because I love this sentence so much. So I do a lot of that and I'll read that to the author and I'll, yes. I'll read it and say, what on, what are you kidding me with this line? Yeah. And what's interesting is the author will say, I remember when I wrote that. Yes. And that's gold. Yeah. That just <laughs> happened with the one I was just listening to this morning um, with the author. And, and it was something about, uh, I think right after that, she said, um, bad choices make for great novels. Oh, gosh. Yes. Something to that effect. And, and it was about um, the um, kind of the heart holding on to all of the hurt you've ever yeah, experienced. Yeah, better luck next time. Julia Claiborne. Oh Johnson. my God, that line, that, that Sunday sentence was an intense one. And it's because, it, and she said, you know, that she has the the luxury of being at her age and, and, and writing that and help that, in, you know, her years have informed her. And she said, well, you know, I don't know that I could have written that. And I said, no, but people who are younger or me, younger than me, still remember the hurt of a 12 year old yeah. when something was said or done. Uh, so she, what that book was just also a great book discussion book. If yeah. you, if it's anyone's interested. I put it on my list. It sounded like a great yeah. one. So, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of, I don't remember what your original question was, but I hope that answers, <laughs> yeah, but I does. do do a lot of prep. So yeah. I'll read the first time. The second time I go really just for myself to see what the narrative is and who the, then I'll say, well, who edited that? Because man, that was great editing there. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I will ask some editing questions and what did you leave on the cutting room floor if it's historical fiction, you know, that tight narrative that keeps people just flipping those pages. Yeah, that's um, fascinating. I like I love that you're you're keeping track of all the black background players, the the yeah. editors, the the cover art to design, you know, all of these other people that are involved in the book process. I think that's great. Because it is a process. It's not just, you know, you can sit down and write a book, but there's, there's a team, thankfully, a team of people surrounding and caring for the author. And I don't want to sound, mm -hmm. you know, all sappy here, but that's such a huge process and a huge step towards bringing, making the book successful, the right cover. Uh, using this beautiful cover art, uh, Better Luck Next Time has beautiful cover art. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can say, well, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, a lot of people do. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> you need that. The reality. You need that, yes. You need that person or people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm appreciative of all of the team mm -hmm. that it takes to make this author uh, get out there and, and, you know, be what For they sure. are. For sure. All right. So number three was do your homework, be a, be a prepped scout going into that interview. What's your number four? And also, I just want to say, don't think of doing yeah. your homework as such an exercise because right. it's not it, eating it, your vegetables. It's... Yeah, it's not like, you know, oh God, I got to have broccoli now. It's more of a um, doing some of that background. You're going to do it naturally because you love the book, mm -hmm. right? Even if you dislike the book, if you get stuck and you got to do a classic and you're like, good right. grief, there is something there that's just going to compel you. And you can say to your group or you, you know what? I really had a tough time with this book. I had a tough time reading Jane Eyre. Yeah. I, be honest. Uh, but having that extra background just makes you more confident. So I don't mm -hmm. want anyone to think of it as, a, as an exercise. Um mm -hmm. In that, uh, you know, you have to do it. It's not a textbook, you know, it's not a, like a test you have to take, but it's, it's, um, 
it's important to do it because I just feel like it'll give you confidence. Absolutely. It's reducing that anxiety of, of the unknown as you go in. Yeah, I, that's yeah. exactly right. I'm sure that was a, my was a very long-winded way of saying exactly what you just <laughs> said. <laughs> so know your audience. So that can be your patrons, whether they are listening to your podcast, whether they are, whether they are watching you do a live show like I'm doing, or whether you do a book discussion, know your patrons. You, you know, who's going to be, um, not liking what you're saying or not liking the character because you're already reading with them in mind. Mm -hmm. So embrace that and accept it and know that it's going to happen mm -hmm. and know that you're not going to know exactly when the bomb's going to drop. But, right. Right, so, <laughs> but as long as you're prepared for it in a way that's positive for whatever thing they're bringing to you, um, that just takes a lot of, of practice. But also mm -hmm. the books you're choosing and the authors you're choosing, you know what your readers like. And I may have said this already, but flex a little bit flex and do something that's outside of the comfort zone. And I think that that rewards not only the patrons, but you're bringing the author into something that your patrons would normally read, which I think mm -hmm. is, is, is huge. And mm -hmm. if your author says your, your people say, Oh my gosh, why did you make me read this book? Well, just sit tight. Wait, I'm going to show you why this is a fabulous book and right. or rethink what you're thinking. You may read this book and you're just having a really lousy week, mm -hmm. but then you sit down with everybody and you hear what they liked, what they didn't like. And then the author comes in and says what he or she was motivated by. It changes the narrative that you've already brought to the book. Read yeah. own voices, flex your muscles a little bit there. Um, you can't read historical fiction and not look at something like news of the world, right? Mm -hmm. People didn't think that was, I'm not going to read a Western, but then yes, when you read it and you bring it, you're like, I, people will say, I didn't think that was going to be a great book. Right. Right. Build the confidence of your patrons in you by saying, I'm not going to really steer you wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so just trust me a little bit. And mm -hmm. even if it fails, we tried it. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't take it so personally. It's not, you didn't write the book. You're just recommending it. Uh, but flex a little bit if you can. So for example, I always recommend Meet Me at the Museum by Ann Youngson or When All is Said by Ann Griffin. These are authors I've interviewed, but I've brought them to the book club. Mm -hmm. So I know my patrons and they're going to be like, oh, I don't really want to read this. or I may not want to read that. But then they've read it and they've loved it. Or like there's a book called Before We Visit the Goddess by um, uh, Shitra Divakrani. And apologies to the author. It's a great book. It talks about the immigrant experience and it talks about family through the generations. There was such a large amount of stuff. She came in through Skype. We had a fabulous book discussion. So when you think of historical fiction, you don't necessarily have to think about World War One or World War Two. You can look at Civil War stuff. You can look at flex your own muscles. Uh, people don't like science fiction. I don't like science fiction. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Find that book that bridges yeah. the gap. Everyone loved The Martian. Even if right. you didn't understand why he was raising the potatoes or how you grow, just keep, right. keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. That's true. Yeah. Right. 
The Light from Other Stars by Erica Swyler is a beautiful mm-hmm. book about family relationships. And the father just happened to discover this incredible thing that allows people to do something. And I got so many people in the book discussion saying, I don't really like science fiction or, or I had someone say, I'm not smart enough to read science fiction. And my answer is, if I can, (laughs) you can, you think I'm going to know what to do up in space? Absolutely not. I, I'm assuming everybody else does. (laughs) I'm just, here's my ticket. I'm getting on. So it's Don't not a how-to it. manual. I mean, it is still fiction. There's it some enjoyment fiction. here, yeah. <laughs> right. So it, that helps flesh out and bring more to the discussion by um, expanding yourself, their impression of the genre. And then when you bring, like I've had Erica Swyler on the podcast in person And she loves talking science with everyone, Mm -hmm. not being afraid to do that. And then, boy, the the patrons had a great time. So Mm -hmm. I think it's also good to just, I guess, you know, the fourth thing, I don't even know what number we're up to, but believe in yourself and and flex your muscle to bring in other. And it's all really okay if they don't like it. They're not going to like everything. Yeah. It's great. So. Flex. I love it. All right. Which takes us to number five. Um, Number five, I guess, is something that I said earlier. Uh, But I I feel like because all of these things mix together, please don't feel like I can remember a time where someone couldn't do a book discussion and I had to fill in at the last minute. Mm -hmm. And this happens a lot. Sometimes, yeah. especially now <laughs> you gotta, something yeah. happens and you have to step in. Mm-hmm. Um, just remember that you don't have to be that fountain of book knowledge right? for whatever it is. I know we mentioned that earlier. It's part of another uh, topic. Um, but know that you don't have to be that austere person who's going to know everything about Moby Dick or you're not paid to do that you know you know there are people there are scholars out there who do that there are people who teach courses you can follow it on harvard they have their courses you can follow some of them on youtube and they go deep dive into all of these things Uh, background and i know john green has a wonderful website which is also i think he does a youtube channel on classics and things like that so let that Mm -hmm. help you and you know inform you you're not going to know everything. You're not going to know every answer your patron asks you. You're not going to know. There's so many things you're not going to know. We don't have enough time in this interview to go over it. (laughs) But just know that the conversation will happen organically um, because you have at least some of reader's advisory knowledge that'll help you through. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so I feel like no matter what, you're going to be able to stand on your feet and sort of remember, oh, I actually do know what I'm doing. Not without being terrified, of course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A little terror goes a long way, you know, it really helps to get the motivation going. Yeah. And plus, I think that there are some times where I'm in the zone and I'm doing an interview and I, everything else falls away. I'm just Mm -hmm. having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And that is that when that happens, when that sweet spot occurs, it is 
a beautiful thing. All of a sudden, yeah. you're not thinking about your patrons so much. You're just having this conversation with the author, and yeah. your patrons are like, oh, my God, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, those are the ones that are the best to listen to. You you can tell. You know, you, you know when uh, when you're both in that zone, for sure. And just remember, when the author is coming in, um, they're so happy to be there. Mm-hmm they're reaching an audience in a different way. And some authors are shy and that's fine. You're sort of the whole, you're the arbiter in between that meet and greet. So I feel like it's okay to be, it's okay to be, I don't want to say intimidated because that just seems wrong, but it's okay to just have stars in your eyes when they come in, but just do your thing. Just yeah. be yourself. Because if you're, if you try to present to the author, I'm Caroline, the librarian, it's, that's not me. That's not who I am. And yeah. nobody wants that. Uh, but if you are that person who brings a certain gravitas to the table and people are used to a more formal way of you conducting interviews, then just stick with that. You have to mm-hmm. stick with what works. Right. Yeah. I, I think that for the most part, most of the authors that I've had a chance to speak with, I mean, they're already coming to that conversation with a little bit of their own library love. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think most of us, great point. We're kind of blessed by that shot, that shine, that shimmer of, of library land. And, and a lot of them have had good experiences or, you know, they just like being part of that community. So that already sets you on good footing. It's not like, you know, they think you're some antagonistic interviewer that's there for a gotcha right. moment or something. Right. Right? right. So I think that's helpful. Yeah, that is exactly, exactly right. And they'll say, Oh my gosh, when I was a kid, I, you know, used to go to the library with my parents yeah. or whatever, whatever they have. A, everyone, most of them will have a story. Yes, it's, it's a hundred percent true. The other thing that I think you're really good at, uh, and to, for library people to remember is that, you know, you mentioned that so many people are involved in the process of the book and the fact that, you know, the author, this is a process of marketing, of promotion that they're part of, and that's important for them. And you always make a point of allowing the author to promote themselves and to ask them, you know, if they want to highlight how people can engage with them online or where we can find information about upcoming appearances. Like, I think it's important for libraries to know this isn't always or I think it's it's helpful to, to remember your library isn't their last stop and, and to give them that space to kind of um, let people know where else they're going to be because that's that's important for their book promotion. Yeah. And if so, when I posted authors on Zooms with patrons on the Zoom and even in, in the room when we used to be back in the day when we were all in the room, I would say, do you have a newsletter? Uh, where mm. can people find you? Because there are lots of people who have connected with the author in some way, whether it's right. through the book or now that they're they're converts because maybe they didn't like it coming in. I would like, well, it was okay. But now they're converts where and now they will say, I watch them on Books and Beans or I watch them do this other event. The point is for them to shine. You yeah. are there to give them an additional voice wherever they need to be. So even though you're a stop on the book tour, like Chris Whitaker, I mean, everybody really who's been on, we're just, we're a stop now on their book tour, whether that's on the live, on the podcast or via Zoom, you're promoting them, but you're Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, you're trying to, it's like a blind date. You know, you want to, you want to connect these two people who you think you're really going to like each other. So 
I think that's a great point, Michelle. I think to remember that you're there to be their voice, but you're also delivering something to the patrons that is rewarding. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, I'm wondering if you're comfortable giving us a little bit more of your of a glimpse behind the scenes of what you do, because I'm curious to know when you are reading books or when you find an author that you're interested, what is your process? Are you reaching out to the library reps of your publishers or how do you reach out to those people? Any, I mean, I, if I could send a, a skywriter, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> so just shameless cold calling is what you're recommending. <laughs> it's, it just depends because I've been doing it for so long. Usually mm-hmm. there are, and, and I think you guys, I, I, I want to use different publishers They'll do Zoom and everyone sort of comes in or they'll watch them on Facebook. The publishers do their spring promotion or and right. usually those library reps will say, if you want to host such and such, a reach out to us. Um, I've never had any bad luck with that. I've never had any problems with that. They are the the reps for the publishing the publicists the um library person or people who are the connection between us and the authors really want to help they yeah. don't shy away and you can email them out of the blue the one thing i have found is that sometimes on an author website is that if you contact the author directly they don't always see that there's some weird things sometimes with yes. author websites so but they will give you the publicist or for live appearances or whatever just copy that cut and paste it make sure you introduce yourself talk mm-hmm. about your library a little bit give them some background about who you are what you do and if you've hosted other people and even if you haven't you don't have to say that <laughs> Right. <laughs> I love the book. I want you to come. Here's the yeah. dates. What can you do? Um, so, yeah, or I think to- I think what might even be helpful in that scenario is who is your community? Like mention where your library is yes, and, what, always. and the type of people that come to your book clubs. I think authors would be um, in some cases more sold on, on that information than who else you've interviewed. Yeah. And that's where you put that in the body. You know, you can yeah. say that I, I'm Carol Ann Tack. I am head of reader services, which really doesn't matter. That doesn't really mean anything, but you can say, um, you know, I host the Merrick library book discussion and we're doing it via zoom. And I bring in 40 to 50 patrons every month. Mm-hmm. Um, would love to host you in my case, I'd say not my first rodeo, you know, something right. that's, they know, um, and they may, cause they'll be like, who are you? I don't know who this person is. You know, the publicist yeah. has no idea who you are, but be as, you know, would love the, you'll know what to say. You be yourself in the email and that's the best way that the publicist then knows who you are. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's a great point. Making, re- reaching out in that way. And, and don't be afraid to do it. Hitting send after you've composed something and 17 drafts later, do I sound like an idiot? Do I sound, is this okay? Am I fawning? Am I, you know, do I have the typos? Do I make a typo? It just <laughs> hitting, once yeah. you hit send, you're like, phew, time to go to lunch because <laughs> you're exhausted after all that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you do a wonderful job. Oh, at, thank you. Um, at programming these authors and speaking with them and uh, and certainly doing your homework and being prepared. So thank you so much for the work that you do. Thank you. I mean, this is great. If, and if anybody needs to, has questions or they want to reach out, you know, you can just email me and, and I'll be more than happy to try to answer a question for you. Brilliant. 
We will put Carol Ann's contact info in the show notes of this podcast. So you can see that there. You can reach out to her uh, on social media as well on Twitter. I'll put her handle in there. Um, But thank you so much. This has been a wonderful chat. I'm so glad that we could connect and pick your brain and learn all about the tips and tricks that you have. This has been wonderful. So I appreciate the time and uh, I hope it's helpful. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you again to Carol Ann Tack for joining us today with her genius tips for talking to authors. We hope that you enjoyed this chapter of Library Land Love.